Tala Falava. Welcome back to Ngaihere Talks. Here's a bonus episode, a kōrero with Marama Davidson about the power of wahine. Hope you enjoy. All right, well kia ora everybody, welcome to another super special episode. Um, I think it's, it's such a privilege during this election campaign to be able to talk to some of our nation's awesome leaders and um, today we have not just a great leader but a, a fantastic wahine Māori and a fantastic local to South Auckland as well. Marama David, so tēnā koe marama, no mai haere mai ki tēnei whare, welcome to our whare and it's awesome to have you here today. Tēnā koe, tēnā koutou. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's sad I haven't been here before now, but I'm mm. pleased I'm here now uh, to have a kōrero with you. Yeah, choice. Thank you so much. Um, I think, I mean, I kind of already told you a little bit about what we do, but maybe just to give you a little bit more context. So Please. The name of this whare um, at this stage is called Te Hao Manuko. was named by um, a bunch of, of South Aucklanders. Um, but we are in the middle of transitioning across to align with, with Grid Auckland, oh, okay. uh, the innovation space in the city, and so we're soon to be called Grid Manuko, okay. um, which is going to be really exciting for us. Cool. Um, we are Ngahere Communities. Mm. We are um, a social enterprise based here in Manuko, um, predominantly um, op- owned and operated by Wahine Māori and Pacifica Woman and we're, we're super proud of that um, and we love what we get yes. to do here. Um, our mission is around helping support our people achieve their dreams and um, particularly through the avenues of creativity, innovation and entrepreneurship. Beautiful. So running a space is part of what we do. We also run a, a programme called Tukua um, and Tukua is about seeing um, our people thrive. Beautiful, um, I love it. All yeah, of it. yeah, and as I told you just before, we just over lockdown um, developed a, a brand new online platform called Corne, um, in partnership with Shopify um, and Hill Ferrance, a, a venture capital investment um, firm, and we're really excited about that. That's about profiling and, and building Aotearoa brands um, and the entrepreneurs behind them, and we can see that entrepreneurship is a really awesome way, especially yeah. for Wahine, yeah. but for all of our people to show what they're made of and to, uh, I guess access the resources that they, they need to do what they want to do with their whanau. So we really believe in that and excited about that. So it's a choice to have you here today. Along with that, we uh, we do podcasts. Um, our podcast is called Ngahere Talks and we're super passionate about things like mental health, uh, domestic wow. violence and things like that. And we, we push to talk about these topics and get them out in the open. So that's another thing I'm really excited to, to talk to you about today. So Everything that you've just said is like ticking all my buttons yeah, at every yeah. level and I'm going to go and find this Kone platform and have a good look because mm. I was just talking to, I'm here with Lourdes Vano who is also our Manurewa candidate, amazing young Māori Pacifica woman and I said to her quite blatantly that I would like to go home if I could just put all young Māori and Pacific women in charge of everything, mm. that's what I think is the solution to all of the world's problems, awesome. to be quite honest with you. Yes. And I straight that's up cool. said this to you, didn't I, Lordy? She's sitting over there. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just, I said to her, I'm just I'm just holding this space until you all get here. Mm. Because that, for me, the solution to everything we are trying to address in the world and the answers are with young Māori, Pacific and brown women yeah. all over the world. Indigenous women. Absolutely, eh? indigenous women all over the world. And it just happens that for for me and for the Green Party, rebuilding our communities by supporting our local collaborative enterprises, mm. but especially those run by brown women, mm. for me again is the economy that we need to create. And awesome. I'm a I'm an avid supporter. I often tell people at the markets it is the Māori and Pacific women that I will run to their stalls mm. and throw my money at them, yeah, yeah. buy all the earrings. Um, I'm 
like wearing clothing most of the time that is sourced by Māori and Pacific women sourcing pre-loved clothing mm. as part of their sort of consultancy business. So I'm really heavily into promoting women-led business in particular, mm. but Māori and Pacific women um, in enterprise as well. Yeah, awesome. I love that. I love that. So um, me personally, I'm not like hard out into politics. I don't get a lot of politics, but what I do love is talking to politicians about who they are mm. and the amazing things that they get to learn. It's not an easy um, profession to do, <laughs> um, but that's awesome. So I want to have a few chats to you today cool. just about who you are, and then awesome. I'm sure we'll flow into a couple of other things as well. Awesome. But tell us, where were you um, Where were you born and what was your upbringing like? Mm. Uh, he mokopuna tēnei o ngā iwi o te taitokiro, mm-hmm. no ngā puhi, te rarawa, uh, o ngā hapu o hokianga, mm-hmm. no te hekatu me ngai tūpoto, uh, ngā hapu. Uh, whakawhiti atu ki te tairawhiti, no ngā tiparau te mama, mm-hmm. toku mama, toku koka, uh, no ngā hapu o tūwhakairi ora uh, te whānau a tāpuhi hoki. Uh, no reira, um, e noho ana hau ki Tāmaki Makaurau i tēnei wā. I'm from the north, ngā puhi in te rarawa, and I'm from the East Coast, Ngāti Porau, and am blessed to live in Manurewan, South Auckland for most of my adult life. Mm. My upbringing was varied. I actually lived all around the country as a young girl, including Wellington, Dunedin, Christchurch, yeah. and Auckland. But early in my childhood, we also then uh, moved back to Fidinaki, which is the smallest little valley in Hokianga, mm. um, and Learning about our maunga and our awa and our whakapapa, I think has been the polit- the biggest political influence for me, mm. my politics. Many, many people say I don't understand politics, but for me politics is just understanding how we live our lives. Yeah. So I talk about my political platform was formed and informed by growing up in Whirinaki, swimming in our river, eating vegetables and fruit from our soils, catching kaimwana in our harbour, um, uh, respecting our maunga and respecting and looking after each other as a valley. Mm. And that is political. Mm. And so people do know politics. It's just for too long, uh, politicians and media have often made it out to seem like politics is something that people shouldn't understand. Mm. Um and have made it quite elitist. Yeah, yeah. Actually, everyone who's alive, everyone who is living, knows politics because politics is just how we live every day. Yeah. How decisions are made, how our cities are built, um, whether or not you can afford affordable home, whether or not you have health care. That's all that politics mm. is, is those big decisions. Yeah, mm. awesome. I love that, eh? And the way you view the world, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. The things that you value. Yeah. So what would you say has been your biggest achievement in life so far? Oh gosh, that's got to be, I'm really proud of being a mum to my children and it's not, it's not because like obviously to me they are the best amazing humans in the world <laughs> <laughs> but that's unconditionally right, so they're also flawed human beings, they're yeah, not yeah. perfect but that doesn't require, um, I don't require them to be perfect, I'm proud of, I'm proud of um having this incredible, I've got six tamariki and one grandchild, the first one, and she's one and a half. Yeah, it is really awesome. And I'm really privileged and proud to be part of this growing growing little whānau network mm. um, who are the most important things in my in my whole life and my whole politics. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm proud of 
continuing to raise the voices of people who are often without power mm. and people who are often not represented in places of power. Especially for me, that's the voices of Māori and Pacific women and the collective. I'm just one. I'm privileged to be in a co-leader position, a political leadership position, but I am just one part of a collective of Māori and Pacific women who are working together to make our world better. Mm. And that's that's all I am. I'm just, um, I just happen to be in a privileged position to help raise up that uniquely Māori and Pacific women view of the world. Yeah, choice. That's so awesome. So what is it like to be a wahine Māori in Parliament in Aotearoa and then even more so in the Green Party? So being wahine Māori, being a progressive wahine Māori in Parliament is often hoha, mm. actually, yeah. um, and exhausting. I was just saying again to Lourdes on our way over, walking over here, I often fe- feel like I'm trying to explain things that I yeah. shouldn't have to explain. It's hard being in a place that has no understanding of and does not operate in a Māori worldview approach. Mm. And it often I'm often having to explain, you know, for example... Um, I'm very clear that when we abuse Papatuanuku, when we exploit her and damage her and pollute her, that is directly connected to abuse f- towards women, mm. um, domestic and sexual violence right. towards women, that those two actions, those trampling of mana, are directly connected, that mm. Papatuanuku is us and we are her. And the, the violence towards her is connected to the violence towards us. Mm. And it all breathes from the same oppressive understanding um, that undermines the role and the leadership of women in our world. Yeah, yeah. And that we are where life comes from. Mm. And so, but you should see people's eyes glaze oh, over say, when I talk about that. How do people respond to that? Mm. <laughs> are they like, shush? No. Oh, I've been quite roundly criticised for for talking in a way that comes natural to me mm. and comes natural in my communities and my marae and my, um, my my collectives that I'm involved in. But it's really difficult to speak like that in that place and to try and make those connections. Making any connections at all between issues is a big no-no in that place, I have mm. to say. Um, it's It's been... It's often argued, uh, we often sort of debate issues as if they exist all on their or on their own mm. and so the, for example this word the economy in in parliament is held up as this special tapu orb the economy <laughs> is nothing there is no such thing mm. there are people and there is our planet and we make decisions for the well-being of both that's what the economy is it mm. is using the resources and the living systems that we have and whether or not that benefits people on the whole. Mm. But we treat this word economy as if it's some special sacred ball. It's just people and, and our living systems. Mm. But it has prioritised as if making money is the most important thing, is the only way that we are going to survive. And trying to sort of cut through that as a Māori woman in politics is really hoha. Yeah, mm. I bet. And I do think that that the Labour Green New Zealand First Coalition has pushed 
us towards that. It's been choice to see some yeah. movement. So yeah, be awesome to see what's coming next. You're right, and that needs to go back again. Like I really want to acknowledge people like our first co-leader Jeanette Fitzsimons of mm. the Green Party who passed away um, recently, mm. and that 30 years ago she was saying things like, "When we design our government budgets, big, 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 big spending." When we design our budgets, we need to look at bigger indicators. We look at we need to look at bigger signs of success yeah. than just how much money is someone earning, yeah. or um, how much how much debt are we spending. She was very clear that we need to look at whether our rivers are healthy, whether people have enough to survive, whether our soil is healthy, mm. and those things have been ignored for a long time when it comes to assessing economic development yeah, yeah. and I'm pleased to see we're finally starting to get some traction on that but again indigenous people have understood this forever and it all comes down to the, what your definition of wealth is absolutely or right? success so, yeah wealth I like that there's a little quote from Bob Marley that I've seen going around social media Love recently and they asked him about if he was a rich man and he goes what are you talking about rich mm. I'm not the kind of man that has those kinds of treasures, mm. but I'm a rich man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I really like that. Exactly, like treasuring water as a taonga rather than something to be exploited and used and irrigated, we are now facing massive problems mm. because we did not treat our rivers as ancient tupuna. Yeah. And we just keep pouring pollutants into the rivers and at the at the agenda of wanting to make money. Mm. That is what has happened. Mm. And now we are, you know, we will not be wealthy at all if we have no water. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really trying to sort of overturn the way that we have defined success and well-being. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so human rights is big for you. Why? I mean, the rights, rights are big for me. Human rights, social justice climate justice, uh, cultural justice, all of it is big for me. And I guess justice mm. is what is big for me. Yeah. Um, and human rights are one part of that. But actually, overall, it's all about justice. It's justice for our earth, justice for our environment, justice for people. Mm. And that's where human rights come into it. I guess from a Māori perspective, that's just about making sure that we are affirming everyone's mana and the mana of iwi and hapu to be self-determining. Mm. Um, that too, indigenous rights are human rights. Um, trans people rights are human rights. Rainbow, whanau are human rights. So it's also about uh, understanding that everyone needs to be able to walk in the world as, as they are, mm. who they are, and be respected for who they are. Yeah. And I, I guess that's always been something that I've understood. Like, talk about growing up in Hokianga. And many of my uncles who are, um, you know, what we would call whafafine or trans, but for us they were just them. They were yeah, just yeah. part of the whānau. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, yeah, They're totally. just people who we love and people who are part of our hapū and our marae. Mm. But there is um, there's this really weird concept of not all lives being valuable mm. and not all lives being of the same quality, and that's really sad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I fully believe in that too. So, th like, in Aotearoa, things like um, domestic violence, sexual abuse, child abuse, 
It's like a freaking disease. It's yeah, like an it epidemic. Mm. How do we fix it? Well, I wish for a start that, you know, I want to acknowledge um, Green MP Jan Logie. Just a few days ago in the media, mm. we saw an article that um, that revealed that she's having a tough time trying to get Māori leadership at the forefront mm. of a sort of, of a whole new transformational approach to um, ending sexual and domestic violence. And what she wanted to do when we she took up the job um, at the beginning of this term, so three years ago, is she wanted to make sure that that work was being led by Māori expertise who understood the connection between colonisation and violence yeah, today. Yeah. Well, they came up with a brilliant strategy and a plan, and fortunately, other political parties said that it was too Māori, mm. that it wouldn't fly. Well, I'm very clear that a kaupapa Māori approach to ending violence in our homes is essential. And that's all that they were doing. And actually, that that approach would work for all people Mm. and would benefit all people. A kaupapa Māori approach is simply resourcing and empowering the grassroots community organisations to wrap support around whānau, um, to reclaim our nurturing side of us, which has always been there, um, to give everyone the tools, given the stresses that many of our whānau are under, Mm. um, to make sure that we're providing the support and the tools for people to choose something other than violence when they respond in that that stressful life, in those triggers. Um, And that's the work that I have seen work. Mm. And also make sure that we are connected. So isolation is a big part of violence. People not feeling uh, that they have both people who use violence and people who are um, harmed by violence mm. um, can often feel isolated in their frustrations and their hurt. And so making sure we are reaching in and connecting ourselves, making sure we are supporting those who use violence as well, mm. um, to provide them with a safe space for them to be honest about what's going on yeah. so that they can choose a different path. Um, and that's what Te Ropu, we're sort of trying to set up mm. a nationwide framework, a long-term enduring framework. Unfortunately, um, Jan's leadership has not been welcomed um, by the ministers from other political parties. So we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep going. We'll keep pushing that through. And hopefully this next term we can make some real headway into that as well. It's a big challenge, eh? It's a big challenge. I mean, at the heart of... Uh, there's a lot of systems we need to reform, not just the violence and justice systems, which mm. involve a lot of systems. But if we take Oranga Tamariki, for example, again, removing babies, the state removing newborn babies, just creates more trauma. Mm. And the Kopapa Māori support, the aim of that is to keep all babies safe. Mm. And again, it is to wrap around that support so whānau have other tools so that they feel that they are not isolated and alone, so that they have loving tools to reach on that we've always had. Yeah, we've yeah. always we've always had these loving tools. He taonga te mukupuna is something that we've always understood, but not all our whānau um, have that in their toolbox. Yeah. And so we... All have experienced that themselves. All have experienced that, and that's yeah. why they don't have it in their yeah. toolbox. So returning those tools with whānau support and with kaupapa Māori organisations and approaches. I mean, literally here in Manurewa, that's something as simple as nannies knocking on the door of those whānau who don't trust any agency, and it takes them months and months and months to establish enough trust 
to be able to go into those homes and be there and help those whānau be accountable mm. as well to their tamariki and to their partners as well as support them to find where they can get some help as well. Yeah, choice. I feel like I could talk about this one forever, but I've got a few <laughs> other ones I want to talk to you about. Hey, Auntie here. How you been? We've been busy as getting together some of our own local talented young brands so that you can support Aotearoa in one of our favourite ways. Shopping. Come and see what we've made for you at www.kone.nz, a new online shopping experience. Ehumatau, mm. from your perspective, from what you see, what's going on and are we going to get to the bottom of this? Yes, I believe we are and it's only because, again, the young, inspiring leadership Aye. of the young wahine Māori particularly at the front line. Mm. And I'm not just talking about the incredible leadership of people like Panya and Kiani, um, Panya Newton and Kiani Matata Sipu. I'm talking about the, the leadership at all levels of that movement, mm. whether it was um, the people organising... Um, the rubbish cleanup, the people organising the frontline security, um, the people organising the kai mm. and keeping the fire alive. I mean, I was privileged to sit on the front line several nights, mm. but have been backing them for over six years now. So I've seen the insights. I yeah. am probably the politician that most in the whole country who has seen the insights mm. and the um, the, the back door of what has gone on, the discussions, the planning. I know it better than any other politician in the country and I'm proud of what they have managed to achieve, which is that they halted a big giant company. Oh, like yeah. that's huge. Yeah. They stopped yeah. a big multi-billion dollar international company from building on that whenua. Mm. And that was just pure grassroots action, yeah. pure wahine leadership, knowing how to organise, knowing how to unite people in the banner of um, peaceful no, uh, peaceful resistance, yeah. peaceful non-violent techniques. You know, hello, that's incredible. And yes, we will continue to see uh, progress towards a peaceful resolution that everyone can live with mm. because they demanded it. Mm. Because also, the minute any bull- bulldozer moves in on that land, unless that has been approved by the kaitiaki, They'll just rally up thousands yeah, overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Back again, eh? it's yeah. been a privilege to be a part of mm. um, and also to, to spectate as well. If it was your decision, what would you do? Give it back. Yeah. What, it back. what about Fletcher's? Give it back because... Would you pay them? We would have to, yeah. and that is the Crown's mistake. Yeah. So, yep, Crown has to take some responsibility for that, and it's fair enough that Fletcher's wants some... Um, some some compensation, mm. um, you know, regardless of what I think. Poor things, haven't got enough money, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> regardless of what I think, I think that um, the Crown rushed through some really shoddy law to try and speed up some building, mm. and they didn't think they didn't think ahead. Yeah. So I think that the Crown has to bear some responsibility, but it would be stuff all in comparison to better Tiriti justice, which has more value than millions can buy, and in comparison to what happens when you give Māori land back, they do good with it for yeah. everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly, I think we should yeah. just give it back. <laughs> okay. We won't talk any more about that, but we're, <laughs> we're huge fans of Ahumato um, and try and support the team there as much Kapai. as we can with, with what we have. Yeah. Um, what I would love to hear a little bit more about from you is about that time you went on the boat the woman's boat to Gaza. Yeah. I remember I was following you a little bit at that stage mm. and I remember seeing the story came up 
um, and I was fascinated. Yeah, Tell us a bit about that. I mean, a lot wow. of people probably don't even know what that is yeah. and what happened to you. Gosh, was it oh, 2016, I want to say? Mm. 2016, I was deeply honoured to be asked to join an international boat of, I think, 13 women peace leaders from around the whole world, mm. from all corners of the earth. Uh, and it was in the efforts to highlight... Um, the plight of particularly Palestinian women and children living under oppression mm. and the unfair rule by the Israel state over Gaza. Now, the politics of that is, is huge and complex and goes back a long, long, long time. But I think, um, for me, it was about um, peace through justice. Mm -hmm. It was about saying very clearly that what is happening in Palestine, and particularly for women and children is not just, and a whole lot of us came together um, as peace activists. Oh gosh, it included uh, our captain, who was a captain of many refugee boats, who would go out there rescuing people um, whose lives were at risk in the big seas. Uh, it included Anne Wright, who's a former US military colonel. Wow. Who knows, has been for like, I think, 40 years, who knows all the tricks of the oppressive um, American sort of army policy and warfare policy. It includes Moiraid Maguire, a 72-year-old woman um, from Ireland who won the Nobel Peace Prize because in her young, young life she rallied the streets in Ireland for peace after, sadly, tragedy where her sister and her sister's three children were shot during some of the most violent unrest in Ireland's history. And what did she do? She got everyone on the streets and asked people to put down their guns and rallied for peace. Mm -hmm. So these amazing women, you know, and I bow to them in their experience, um, women from all around the world who in very different ways are for peace through justice. And that's what we were doing. We wanted to keep, we need to keep an international spotlight on the injustice that is happening for Palestinian people um, from the Israeli state, mm. um, we need to be very clear to stand against all forms of racism, um, including anti-Semitism, that anti-Semitism does not help a peace movements at all, mm. that we need to uphold the rights of Palestinian people to live in peace, um, and we need to stop the Israel state from further encroaching on Palestinian land. And mm. that actually breaks international human rights laws, human mm. rights laws. So that's what our boat was about, and it was powerful, and it was something I'll never forget. And we were detained and boarded and deported. Mm. Um, we had to, they sent out, like, we were a little boat, tiny little boat, no weapons on board, all women. And they sent out three big warships in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea oh my gosh. to meet us. And we went to the point of even throwing overboard, like, heavy cast iron pans, and any sharp knives from the kitchen, because we wanted to make it very clear, once the boats were in sight, we have no weapons. Yes, we had a pan to cook with, but now that you're here, we're going to get rid of it. We're going to get rid of our knives, mm. throw them overboard, because we wanted to be very clear, we have no weapons on board. We are a boat for peace and justice. Mm. Um, and just the solidarity of those women, and then when we were boarded by Israeli soldiers, we sort of just sat there, in a circle peacefully, holding each other's hands and, you know, 
we did not want to endanger the lives of the soldiers either. Mm. And many of them, um, there's like a mandatory mandatory conscription. Uh, you reach a certain age and you are forced to be in part of their armed forces. Mm. So many of the, they were kids who came onto our boat, some of them. Wow. They were so young and I just thought, I'm thinking of your mama mm. right now. I'm thinking of your parents and your family and your community and I don't want any harm to come to you. Yeah. Um, I don't want any harm to come to us, mm. but I do want to highlight um, a movement for peace and justice for Palestinians, and that was our approach for the whole entire boat. Wow. Mm. And so why, were they armed? Yes, they always are. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why we didn't want any harm to come to them, because it mm. doesn't matter who's holding the arms, the presence of arms increases the chance yeah. of danger and harm. Yeah. So we made sure to be very peaceful when they boarded us to make sure that no one was going to be harmed. Yeah. Um, and then we were held at the detention centre, sort of prison, um, for, I think for two or three days before we were then deported, like guarded onto the plane and deported. Yeah, yeah. Home. What did happen though is the women, in, the women um, contacted us, Palestinian women who said, we were so um, inspired and hopeful because of you doing this work, please keep it up. And yeah. that's what we need to do. Awesome. Yeah. Is that a de- one of the defining moments in your life? Absolutely. Yeah, and, that would have been an and it was experience. tough. It was um, yeah. It was tough being away from home that long, but it was tough being at sea. Um, actually, the whole boat was sick for the first three or four days. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole boat was sick. Um, and, you know, some parts of it were really, really rough, but nothing compared to what, Palestinian women yeah. and children have That's to live thing, with. Eh? Yeah, got to put it in context. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I got two more points I want to chat to you about. Okay. Social media and online communication. Mm. Um, you know, it's continuing to grow, become more and more a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things in there. I mean, I love to talk about it because we um, really support the growth and development of our Māori mm. and Pacifica digital content creators yeah, and, and storytellers. Yes. But from your perspective, what do you see as like the, like what excites you and then what scares you about this and then how mm. do we help our tamariki oh. thrive in this kind of environment they're growing up in? Well, actually, there's a massive opportunity. We've just come through COVID-19 and lockdowns mm. and um, we all of a sudden had become a lot more reliant on the digital world mm. to communicate. Um, we all learned how to Zoom, <laughs> uh, still badly, some of us. We all had to move a lot of our events to an online platform Um, and also the Greens are very very clear that the digital and technology um, opportunities are where our true and long-term growth really is and we're really clear about that we've um, James Shaw actually made an announcement just a couple of days ago um, emphasizing how important the digital um, and technology sort of um, enterprise will be but but my um, sort of what we mean by that, again, whatever systems we are creating needs to return the power to the people. Mm. So that's where I see the support for our Māori and Pacific lead um, organisations and enterprises. The content that we produce is like nothing else in the world. Mm. Nothing else in the world. And our, our young ones are so fluent in this online space, in this digital world, it's it's their second nature and I'm like we all know the story of older people like me who are having to constantly run to <laughs> our kids to sort out our lives for us online yeah, yeah. I can't operate my phone like you know all of that sort of stuff I can't work out how to do the neat tricks 
still learning how to Instagram, all of that sort of stuff, because our kids are fluent. This is the world that they're born into. But also, they have a point of difference to offer. There's massive opportunities there, um, and I've, I've been seeing that for a lot of years now, massive opportunity for us and our point of difference on the world mm. that no one else can offer what Māori and Pacific yeah, kids are offering. Sure. No one in the world can offer what we're offering, whether it's our design, our humour, our content, um, films, uh, online series, all of it, our culture, all of it. No one can offer what we can. The, the cautions are still the same. Um, especially when it comes to who's in control. Mm. I think that's the key question is around the cautions is who's in control here? How much control do you have um, over our online stuff, over the communities? Um, there's a massive, you know, we are also seeing the, the results of misinformation that mm. can be spread online. Now, we don't have control over misinformation in any forum, even in, you know, even offline. Mm. So I think instead that's why things like civics education in schools, making sure our children are engaged in political analysis or critical analysis. Mm. That, that might sound like flash words, but all that means is our children are being supported to think for themselves and to be able to dissect information that is put in front of them. Yeah. And that's and then that that means that regardless of what ins- misinformation comes their way, they're smart enough, they've got the tools to have a critical analysis. Yeah. And that way we don't have to worry about the Russians who are sending troll bots everywhere, because <laughs> they actually are. They just yeah. are. That's not even a conspiracy theory. Um, but arming our children with the tool to analyse everything that's put in front of them. Yeah, yeah. awesome. I really like that. Again, another topic I want to dive mm. deeper into, but we better get you to your plane. <laughs> so uh, my last question anyway, and you feel free to add whatever you want, but I saw that you were on the Epidemic Response Committee yes, that's for right. COVID-19. COVID-19. What's that been like? Oh, Give us a little insight. Um, the Epidemic Response Committee was basically just a parliamentary committee. Because we weren't sitting in the House, you needed to have like a checks and balance committee. And it was especially set up so the opposition, because mm. Simon Bridges chaired it, it was particularly set up so the opposition could have a fair go at scrutinising all of the quick, urgent laws that were being put in place. Yeah, yeah. There were lots of laws from a safety uh, approach. We had to do a lot of things quickly yeah. without the normal scrutiny, scrutiny of government. That's what the purpose of the Select Committee was about. Uh, and it was necessary, mm. and I was one. I, I, um, I often noticed that I would be sometimes the only politician so what happened was we got in front of us oh a range of organizations and people from across the community from different sectors and basically we would ask them oh is that am I still on yeah yeah okay (laughs) basically I would ask them I'm not hearing oh there we go we're back again we're back um I would ask them we would ask them how are you finding the government's response? What does it mean for you, for your community, for your business? So, for example, we had Women's Refuge in before us. We had business sector, tourism sector, uh, community groups. Um, it was often me who was the only one raising any Māori or Pacific questions and even disability questions, for example. Mm. Like, I wanted to know how people with a disability were finding access to healthcare given that we shut everything down. Mm. I wanted to know whether people with, this, with a disability felt that they were safe and were um, given all the things that they needed um, when people were visiting their homes for health care. 
I wanted to know whether mid, how midwives were doing in lockdown, um, whether they were still able to go into people's homes. Uh, and actually what I heard was that they were having to do above and beyond the call of duty because of the lack of other services. So often I would be the only person raising um, issues on behalf of women, on behalf mm. of Māori and Pacific issues, and issues on behalf of people with a disability, disabled wow. people, which was sad. Yeah. Which was sad. Um, I think that too often people wanted to focus on is your business surviving or not, and that's important. Mm. But it's not the only way that we're going to revive our com- com- um, our communities. Yeah. 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 So... Um, Sorry, <laughs> a little distracted. I was going to ask you, so what would be your advice to, say, South Aucklanders, um, you know, as we're going through COVID and facing a recession and a lot of change, but also opportunity? Yeah. Um, what would you say? Well, the opportunity, we saw through COVID-19 that overnight, suddenly we had some political will to do things mm. like move everyone off the streets into some form of emergency accommodation. Mm. Now, that didn't end homelessness because homelessness, ending homelessness is not just about putting people into motels. So still got work to go and there are still people on our streets. However, it doesn't deny that when there is political will, things happen. So I would encourage um, people in South Auckland to keep demanding that political will, Mm. that there is no excuse for people to be living... Without everything that they need, there is no excuse for people to be paying so much of their income towards shoddy rentals and unhealthy rental homes. Um, and now that we have an opportunity, we can see what happens when government has to act quickly. Mm. Uh, what I also am hearing throughout Tamaki Makoto is um, we need to redesign uh, the way that we live that we are more dependent on our local solutions, um, that we are less dependent on our global sort of Mm. um, trading and solutions. That includes something as simple as growing kai. Mm. And here in Auckland, for example, I've been very clear that we we need to stop developing over our fertile soil Mm. and our soils that are left on the outskirts of Auckland. We are swallowing up, we are gobbling up our fertile soils Mm. and we need to stop um, and we need to use land better, have more density in the way that we design our communities and reclaim our sovereign soil and health soil back for growing kai. Mm. And I think we've realised, actually, Aotearoa is fortunate. We can grow kai here. Mm. We can grow enough kai to feed more than our country. No one should be missing out on kai. Yeah. We have what we need, but we've got to protect our local reliance um, it's become clear that um, the health of our local businesses, our local neighbourhood shops and enterprises is key to the health of our communities. So I think there's been a revival of support for New Zealand-made, local-made businesses. Yay! Mm-hmm. So we've all got to start um, supporting our, you know, um, understanding how important our essential workers were. There's mm-hmm. another thing that came very clear is our particularly Māori and Pacific women at the front line of retail and hospitality and tourism. Um, and it is Māori and Pacific, Pacific women who are bearing the brunt of job losses mm. as well. Yeah. Um, so we, the Greens, have been very clear that we want to see broader retraining and re-employment courses offered in the free courses that are being offered for COVID-19. Yeah, good. Um, we want to encourage more women into... Unfortunately, all of the courses are currently in areas that 
realistically are male dominated, mm. whether we like it or not. Mm. Uh, we want to both encourage more women into those male dominated training areas, remove the barriers, but also have more choices mm. for other female. Like we actually do need more ECE assistance, nurse assistance, um, admin, pharmacy. Mm. So there are more choices that could be on the table and we're pushing for that. Yeah, awesome. I think just um, in terms of advice for people who live in South Auckland, I think the strength that I can see is um, involvement in collective movements and collective organisations. Like yeah. I think that's where our strength is, is supporting people like um, the leadership at Uhumatau, um, supporting local community groups. Mm. Um, that's how we can, we can really strengthen ourselves because the isolation is what, has created a lot of those problems, um, feeling isolated from each other. So reach out and become involved with our local grassroots community groups and organisations. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And just on that, we've, we um, are just about to do some mahi with Ministry for Pacific Peoples to awesome. support Pacifica women, awesome. particularly through our Kornay platform, um, to you know help them upskill from their idea or if they already have an idea on products they're selling, how yeah. we get them to that next stage and using Kornay as a platform for, for digital... Um, like repurposing skills and learning yeah. new digital skills oh, nice. and making it more relevant um, along with some langatahi as well nice. and also some creative tech um, careers that we're doing with MSD too. So we're wow. trying to do play our part here. Good I think, mahi. like I said, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs um, and finally getting to a point here where we're doing some cool stuff with government departments. So yeah. looking well, forward to it. When I talk about getting involved with, with local organisations, I include this very, this very whare here and the mm. work that you're all doing. Support your mahi, support the, um, you know, anyone being able to share and profile the mahi that's happening right here um, and all of the people behind this mahi who I'm looking at right now, you know, yeah. um, our community needs to know about you and I'm, and I'm going to be really proud to help sort of um, get, get the word out in support of you all as well. Yeah, choice. Anything you wanted to add or ask at the end? Um, Wrap us up. Just to just to be grateful, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to come in Kōrero mm. and um, you are the solution. The mahi that you're doing is the solution mm. um, and there are so many other organisations like you um, and I'm very staunch about Māori and Pacific women um, need to lead the world, basically. Awesome. <laughs> Me too. Well, um, thank you so much, Marama, for coming in, having Kilda. this Kōrero with us. Uh, it was really awesome to get to know you a little bit more and the stories behind the stories. Yeah. Um, you know, what you see on media is not always a true reflection yeah. of what's really going on. So all the best with this election, all the best you? with um, your career and your future. And hopefully this is the start of a choice relationship I that hope we can so. build. So. I hope so too. Kia ora mihi. Tēnā koe.